see, I'm all dressed for Christmas. Or lumberjacking, one of the two. Yes. Yes. This is my favorite time of year. Uh, both Alexa and I, we just, we love the Christmas season. By the way, Alexa is up in our balcony with Yvonne, because Yvonne is not doing well this morning, but uh, pray for her. But um, this is our favorite time of year. I mean, it was in, in the fall and really even leading up to Christmas. Usually, uh, we decorate um, right right after Halloween. I mean, there have been a, a year or two where we decorated before Halloween and really confused the little kids that came to our door. But uh, we just love it. And And this year was was weird because we actually decorated a little bit later and then I spent two weeks in Nigeria. So it was, it was like, I feel like I'm still at the beginning of the season and yet, boom, tomorrow night is Christmas Eve, right? And then, wow, God, just extend it. Maybe we'll keep our, our things up until March. I don't know, what do you think, honey? Yeah, maybe not. No, but we, we love the Christmas season. It's, it, it's when, you know, the fall is when we met, got married, so many good things happen in the fall. That anticipation, I know Bethel loved this one, that anticipation of snow, <laughs> which happens in the fall. And uh, uh, Beth rejoices with me in that. Um, not, right? <laughs> Maybe not. But, uh, but I love the Christmas season. And how many in here, okay, I'm not even going to ask the girls, okay? I, I think I think the girls would be probably most of you, but how many guys are brave enough to say that they love a Hallmark Christmas? Wow, I am really amazed. There you go, there you go. So, so really, what just happened is the Lord revealed the real men in Ignition six three three. I love I love the Hallmark movies. I, I willingly admit that because I'm already married and she can't leave me, so, you know. I, I, I do, I love it. I saw a great one last night. We, it, it's funny, if you look at our, at our you know, because our DVR, if you look at our list of recordings around Christmas time, it's, it's just filled with these movies that, oh, that one looks good. Oh, that one, oh yeah, I saw that one the last three years, so let me click that one. And, and it's like, I know we won't get to them, because come... Come the first, it's like, okay, Christmas is behind us, erase all those, and let's move on. Right? New year, move on. But there was an awesome one last night. I really enjoyed it. Although I think it was on the DVR, so. I do like the DVR because you can fast forward through the things. You watch a two-hour movie in about an hour and 20 minutes. So. No commercials. No commercials, that's right. But, uh, but no, I, I, I do love the Christmas season. It, it is my favorite season. It is what represents the beginning of salvation. It was literally, see, see, understand that it was at the point of Jesus' birth where the Son of God committed himself. Right? It, it wasn't at his death. It wasn't at the death of the cross. That was what finalized it. He said, it is finished. Right? But it was at his birth that that process began. The Son of God committed himself by saying, Yes to the Father, I'll do your will. I will insert myself into my own creation. 
And he inserted himself. That's why in 1 John it says when you're testing spirits, to ask them if Jesus came in the flesh. Because that was the literal decision of the Son of God to obey the will of the Father, to come in the flesh, insert himself into his own creation so that he could become the Messiah, the Goel for his creation, the kinsman redeemer. So this is where it all began. I love this season. And typical, I don't know why, but... Uh, the Lord just seems to do that. I wasn't sure what he would have for us this morning, as you can tell. But it's not necessarily a Christmas message. Go figure. What he laid on my heart this morning was two words. Hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. Sometimes it's hard to hold on when you're grasping to promises. You're grasping to what you know is supposed to happen. You're grasping to what you know the Bible says is yours. And he just says, hold on. The picture that he gave me, if you've, if you guys, you've all seen these on, on TV, I'm sure. But these, these uh, cliff climbers, these rock climbers, that get themselves in insane positions. You know, where, where they're literally crawling up a, a face of a cliff that has an overhang at the top, and somehow they get around that. I wouldn't even do that with ropes, let alone free climbing. I don't know if I'd do that with a helicopter. <laughs> right? Just, just let me be up top or on the bottom. I don't want to climb. But the picture he gave me was this climber, and I must have seen it as a picture at some point, but this climber hanging on one of these overhangs by one hand, and you see his legs dangling, and he's reaching, I'm assuming reaching into his pouch for that powder stuff that they use, the chalk, okay? See a teacher or something? Right on the chalk? No, I'm sorry. That's the picture he gave me, was was this person that that looked like absolute doom in their life, truly the end of his life, if he didn't hold on. That's the picture. I don't know what that means. Just share it with you. What he did tell me was, look at Abraham's life. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I don't know how much scripture we're going to go through, but I think it's going to be a lot. And since the praise team ended early, I think that gives me extra time. (laughs) All right. I want you to turn. (laughs) Yeah. I want you to turn to Genesis. We're going to start in chapter, well, we'll start in chapter 12. But, um, but note at the end of, you know, basically in the previous chapters, Abraham was kind of introduced into the scene. Right, this is after Tower of Babel, and then, then you go through some generations. Abraham is, is introduced into the scene. And then now Abraham is with his father, with his, with his wife, with his nephew Lot, and all them. They're in this 
land. They were told to leave this land. They, they get to, to where his father is there, and they, that's where they live. Abraham is 75 years old at this point. And that's where we're beginning chapter 12 with Abraham. Now, I, I believe... I believe the Lord wants us to look at Abraham's life because we're going to see some things we didn't expect. As I was reading it this morning, there were some things that that he brought to my attention that I didn't expect, and I've read it a thousand times. But Abraham is a great example, we've talked about it many times, of, of a promise that was not fulfilled until much later. In fact, the beginning of his promise, which was his son Isaac, that was not fulfilled for 25 years. The promise, it says in Hebrews 11, wasn't fulfilled during his lifetime. Because the promise was, what? It was the calling, it was that your, your seed, your descendants will be a greater number than all the stars in the sky, all this, all the sand in the, in the seashore. That didn't happen. By the time he died. So the ultimate promise that he was given, he never experienced. But even the beginning of that promise, he had to wait 25 years. And there's some interesting lessons in that waiting that I want to go through this morning. Because I think it applies to us. Right? you, You all know the story. At 50 years of age, almost five years ago, I was called to be a pastor. Never expected that. I, I was enjoying what I was doing. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a calling out of, out of not liking where I was at. I, I really loved where I was at. It wasn't that at all. He didn't love where I was at. And so he, he needed to make some changes. And upon those changes, he opened up my eyes and many others' eyes and ears to a relationship with him where I came to the realization that he will communicate back to me. Not just through his word, certainly through his word, but like any other relationship, there can be a one-to-one communication back and forth. That was huge in my life. And, and, and I'm sure huge in many's lives who have come to that point of relationship with him. At that point, he began to show us promises. He began to show us what was coming. He began to tell us things that we could expect. And, and like a, a typical human being, I'll say an American, but really it's, it's probably any human being, we're thinking like, okay... We're going to judge time on our watches. We're going to judge time on our 30-day calendars and wonder a few months later, what happened? What happened to the promise? What happened, Lord? You said you were going to do this. God, it's been five years now, and you said you were going to do this. What happened? And he takes you through this process of recognizing that his timing is different than ours. But I believe there's a warning in that for us. Because when he says to hold on, it's not just for the hope of holding on for what's coming. Because that's coming. Regardless. Understand that. It it, it was coming in Abraham's case. No matter what, it was coming. God was going to fulfill that promise. 
But if you didn't hold on and walk in the Lord, then there could be some bumps in the road. That at the time, and we're going to get into this, at the time of Abraham's life, that's all they were, were bumps. But later, when the promise was fulfilled and the millions and millions and billions of people that were his seed, those bumps became mountains. Those, those little inconsistencies, little things that he took into his own became barriers. So let's start out chapter 12, verse 1. And Father, I pray you fill my mouth. Fill my mouth with what you want to be said, not me. Reveal to us, Father, your will. Reveal your scripture. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and invade this place. Invade my mouth, my mind to unwrap scripture. To peel back meaning so that we can see exactly what you want to tell us this morning. Father, we worship you. We love you. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who did come in the flesh. Who did die on the cross for our sin. Who did raise from the grave because death could not hold him. Who sits at the very right hand of you, the Father, right now in Jesus' name. We, we praise you. We thank you. Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you, make of you a great nation. This is the beginning of the promise, guys. This was the first nation, the first mention. Now I want to back up a second because one of the things that I always thought And when I read this this morning, it slapped me in the face. And it's what we just read. Now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram at this point. You gloss right over that until you're living in the same thing. Because you're going to see later that the Lord sends an angel. Or even later, the Lord came himself. It's not what he said here. He said, and the Lord said to Abram. Do you understand it's the same thing that he does to us today? I, I, I just had this, this myopic thought that while all the prophets in the Old Testament, you know, they were visited by Gabriel, they were visited by these angels, and they were told this, or, or God would come and manifest in front of them. And, and, you know, it's not hard to believe that. I mean, think about it. If Gabriel came and manifested to you, Gabriel the angel came and manifested in front of you, first of all, once you got past your fright, but, but I mean really, in the flesh, manifested in front of you and said, I have a word for you from the Lord, what do you think you would think? First of all, if you knew who he was, what do you think you'd think? Of course, you're going to believe that. Because it's going to be an extraordinary thing. And that's what I used to think of the, all the Old Testament prophets. Well, you know, of course they believed. I mean, my goodness, if, if Gabriel came and manifested to me, I, I believe too. And so would everybody else. It's not what it says, guys. This is the beginning of it. And the Lord said to Abram, he didn't manifest. It didn't say that he came as an angel or, or that he came in any kind of manifestation. He said this 
to Abram. Why? Because Abram had a relationship with him. Just like many more to come after him. Just like many who were before him. Like Enoch. Like Noah. It didn't take a manifestation for them to know that it was the voice of the Lord. It took a relationship. It took knowing who he was. That's the setting in which this is being said. I want you to recognize that. So he said, and again, the Lord is talking to Abram. He, he said, go from your country and your father's country to a land that I'll show you. I will make you a great nation. This is the beginning of the prophecy. I will make you a great nation, verse 2. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's why we believe so strongly As a Christian nation, we believe so strongly in being on the sides with Israel. Those who bless Israel, which is what his line became, right? Those who bless Israel will be blessed by Israel. Those who curse Israel will be cursed by Israel. I truly believe that is what has made our nation great. Verse 4, so Abram, hearing the voice of God in his relationship with the Lord, he said, "As the, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran or from Haran. Okay, and Abram, he took his wife, Sarah, took his lot and, and I'm going to skip some of this. Well, let, let's keep going here because there, there's verse seven is important. And Abram took his wife, his Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah, at the time the Canaanites, Canaanites were in the land, when the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Recognize the difference there from before. This was a ramping up of the promise. Right? Before, it said that the Lord spoke to Abram. Now it said the Lord appeared to Abram. Does that sound familiar, guys? When we give him our yes, when we learn his voice, when we start a dialogue with him and believe what he says, he ramps up that communication. He ramps it up. Why? Because he wants us to recognize that he is all in with us. But it requires faith. Did Abram not have the faith for him to manifest at the beginning? I don't know. It doesn't say that. I think he had the faith, but God wanted to build his faith even stronger. Then, you know, I'm going to skip some of this because Abram deals, Abram and Sarah deal with some things in Egypt where he says, no, it's my sister and blah, blah, blah. We're going to, I want to deal with the promise really. And then, then you have Abram and Lot, they get so big and they separate, right? 
Lot goes over to Sodom and Gomorrah. Then you have that whole story about, about Sodom and Gomorrah being, being destroyed. And, and I, I'm not skipping these because they're not important and not, I mean, they, they are. They're very important. But for the purpose of what I believe God has for us this morning, we're going to skip them. Then after that, after, after the destruction of, of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you have the dis- destruction of these kings that came against Abram. Okay. And, and, and then he had all kinds of, of uh, spoil that he got from that. He gave a tenth to Melchizedek, which that's a, a separate story in and of itself. Okay, but then it brings us to chapter 15. After all this that had happened, and, and we don't know exactly how many years passed, but remember this. We, we look at this and we think it all happened so quickly, because, you know, we could read it within seven or eight chapters, you know, okay, a couple of years, whatever. No, no. Recognize the time that is going by here. The time for them to get into Egypt. The time for them to have have trouble where he's saying that Sarah is his wife, and there's time that passes there. The whole time, he's getting older. He's, I mean, he began at 75. And he's getting older, and, and, and in the back of his mind, he's saying, wait a second, Lord. You told me that my seed would be millions and millions and millions of people. And then you even manifested to me. And said the same thing. And it's been years, God. It's been years. I don't even have a son, let alone all his offspring. You can imagine what's going on through his mind. You know, don't just, because it's not included in the word of God, don't think he's not human. Don't think that waiting that time frame had to be difficult for him. In fact, we're going to see evidence that it's difficult. So in chapter 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Boom. Third time. And it's different again. First time was a vocal communication between him and his relationship. Second time was a physical manifestation where he came and spoke. Third time, now he's giving him a vision. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar at all? How God begins to speak in these ways. He wants us to get this, guys. He wants us to trust Him and believe Him. So He spoke to him in a vision. He said, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Why did He say fear not? Because He's in this land that's not His land. It's been promised to Him. But it's not his land. Does that sound familiar? Just like what's been promised to us. This area, right, that'll be cleansed. And I won't get into all the prophecies of that, but it's been promised to us, but yet we live in this hostile land. We live in this land where, where witchcraft comes against us so heavy, it's insane. So those things were happening to Abram and Sarai. That's why the Lord came and said in a vision, fear not. By the way, there wasn't any less the Lord because it was a vision. 
It wasn't any less the Lord because it was the Lord's voice the first time. Don't assume it's only the Lord because of that manifestation. All three carry the same weight here. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, and this is, this is where we fall into this too. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Now, recognize this. I think this is extraordinary. Because we've experienced this. He's having a vision, and the Lord's speaking to him. He is interacting with that vision. He's interacting with it and saying, Lord, he, he said, but Lord, you, you know, you said, you said everything will be okay, fear not. My reward will be great. Immediately he thinks back to the promise that all of your descendants will, will be innumerable. You can't even, can't even measure it. He immediately goes back to that and he, he jumps in to the communication through this vision and he says, wait a second, Lord. I don't even have a kid. My servant will, will get everything that I have. Are, are you going to do it through, through him, my servant? And behold, the world, word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. And he, even to explain it further, he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven, the number and the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. (laughs) Now back then they didn't have pollution. They didn't have the lights of heavy cities. You ever get out into the country and look up at night? I'm from Colorado where God stays. And I'm telling you, up in those mountains, (laughs) yes, up in those mountains, you, you can't even begin. I mean, take... Take, take even a square section and try and count. You can't. It's impossible. And, and, and I think that's what God's trying to do in this vision. Now, now reconcile in your mind here. God didn't manifest in the flesh like he did the last time. Okay? Recognize what's going on. This is all going on in Abram's head. So people watching are perhaps like, See, okay. Where's Abram going? He's going outside. He's talking to somebody. I don't know who, but he's talking to somebody. Does that sound familiar? See, God is the same God back then as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. His communication's the same. Abram had to accept this by faith. He had to have relationship with the Lord, so he knew that's who it was. He couldn't be fooled. Why? Because of the relationship that he had. He brought him outside. Look toward heaven, number of stars. If you're able to number them, that's how how many your offspring will be. And I love verse 6. And he believed the Lord. And it counted to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord. This wasn't a physical manifestation in front of him. 
He believed the Lord from a vision. He believed the Lord. Why? Because of his relationship with God. He knew God was not a liar. He trusted him. He believed him. And yet, how many years had it been? I guarantee you more than five. More than what we've had to experience. And we feel like we've waited forever. And he's not even done waiting yet. Let's, let's move on. Um, hey, you know what? I, I, let, let's just keep reading. And I'll stop when the Lord tells me to stop. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from there of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought all of these, and he goes down and and he talks about this offering that the Lord told him to, to bring. But let's bring that into today's language, okay? Because what Abram really wanted was a sign. How, how will I know? How will I know that what you're saying is really going to happen? How will I know? Does that sound familiar? How, how do we know, Lord? How do we know that, that we're going to be all over the world? How do we know that we will have a voice, that this movement will be the very movement of your bride becoming ready? How will we know that we're going to be in a building? How will we know that Carson will be healed? How will we know that these things happen? And what did the Lord tell Abram? Worship. Worship me. That's all he said. He said, worship me. Do you notice he he didn't come down and and say, here, here, look into this prophetic TV and I'll let you see what it's going to look like. He didn't physically show him some manifestation of the truth. What he did was he said, worship me. Worship me and my spirit will confirm it in your spirit. That's why when we worship Jesus, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's the only way you're ever going to have the connection with the Lord. So the Lord said, if you want proof, worship me. He's saying that to us this morning. If you want proof of His relationship with you, if you want proof of what He wants to do in your life, if you want proof of all the promises that He has promised you and ignition, everything else, worship Him. That's why worship is so critical to us. Why? Because we show our thanks to Him? No. I mean, sure, that happens. But it's because that's where we become knit together. That's where we understand His heart. That's where our heartbeat comes into rhythm with His. It's through worship. That's the only way it can be. So that's what he told Abram. Worship me. Worship me. And you'll see. Uh, Where am I? Verse 10. Oh, okay. And he went through and and all that. Let's go to verse 13. Oh, no. Verse 12. As he was worshiping him, when he was done, it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Guess what? Fourth one. 
dreams. What happened in his sleep. Now this was extraordinary because it said, Then the Lord said to Abram in this dream state, Know for certain that your offspring will be the sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your father in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. What happened here? Lord added another layer of the prophecy. He clued Abram into what was going to happen. See, because his offspring did not just all of a sudden get the land and, and everybody's gone from land. We know that, right? What, what ended up happening at the end of, end of, uh, end of his life and then into, um, uh, through his son Jacob and his 12 sons and all that with Joseph, how he goes to Egypt and you know the whole story there. They end up in Egypt. And they grow so much in Egypt, it's ridiculous. And, and Pharaoh thinks, they're going to end up taking us over. So let's make them our slaves. Mm-hmm. Boom, the 400 years start. They're in slavery for 400 years. God is already giving Abram a, a, just an, a, a sneak peek as to what's going to happen. But then they're going to be taken out of that slavery, which happens with Moses. And they're taken to the land. Again, with delay. It was their own delay though, right? But then they go in and they conquer the land. So he's adding on to the prophecy. He's adding on more detail to the prophecy. Prophecy didn't change. God, in his relationship with Abram, is just adding more. See, I think God loves to tell us things that are going to happen. One, if he learns he could trust us. Not only trust us in, in saying what we're supposed to say or not saying what we're not supposed to say, but trust us in our faith. He needs to know that we're going to believe him when we hear him. And recognize in all these four types, it wasn't all the same. It wasn't the physical manifestation coming and saying, here I am, believe me. I'm God, believe me. And and it's obvious because you're right in front of me. No, he used all four different methods to speak to Abram. Why? Because Abram had a relationship with him. He had a relationship. So what he's doing is he's proving himself over and over and over again. Over time... Right? We know ultimately 25 years passed. We don't know at, at what point this is necessarily. But it's somewhere within that period of time where time has lapsed. We know a lot of time has lapsed. And, and you can imagine Abram's thought process. Well, Lord, did you forget about me? Lord, we're still in a living room. Did you forget about us? Lord, you promised that, that we would affect billions of people. On this earth. Did you forget about us? Cause, cause we're just, we're still in the living room. Did you forget? Did you forget? You can imagine Abram was saying the same thing. God, I'm supposed to have all these kids and I have none. Did you forget about me? 
And God, well, let me show you again. And, and, and I'm going to add a little piece. I'll show you a little more. I'll show you a little more, but maybe, maybe I'll show you what they're going to have to go through. Because see, to attain what God wants, it doesn't always come easy. In fact, it, it rarely comes easy. So for Israel to receive the promised land that they were, they were given years and years and years, centuries and centuries before, they had to go through difficult things to get that. And all throughout there, there had to be a measure of faith, trusting in God's promise. That's why Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Let's go down to verse six, uh, chapter 16, because I, I want to go through this whole process of what happens in each stage I want you to compare where we're at with where Abram was. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. This is chapter 16, verse 1. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, this is Sarah saying it to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. Ouch. Ouch. Okay, you can look at that and you could say, That was a bitter woman. And most probably do. Most preachers would preach it that way. But just like Adam and Eve, it was not Eve's responsibility. It was Adam's, right? In this case, it was Abram's responsibility. Okay, Sarai had a lack of faith. But Abram had the faith. It was counted to him as righteous. But what did he do here? He took into his own hands what he thought would propel God's will. Didn't even say he asked God about it. That's probably the scariest part. Is, is he just said yes. Now we don't know the marital dynamics of what was going on there. Maybe, maybe it was after a fight, you know, and he finally said, okay, fine. I don't know. Yes, Siri? Who was that? Did, was that my watch or yours? Oh, okay. Tell Siri hello. <laughs> See, so we, we don't know what was actually going on in that, and it really doesn't matter because bottom line, he made the wrong choice. His belief in what God said was going to happen wavered. He took what God was going to do and brought it into his own hands and said, okay, well, here's a way. I see a way. Do you know we could have done that so many times? 
I mean, we could do it now. We need to avoid that. But we could so easily go get in a building. We could say, okay, you know, we, we find a building where we could fit into and have enough room for some growth and this is how much it's going to be a month and, and, and so we raise the money to do that. I go out and get a, get a, perhaps get a different job. So, so that way this is just part time and, and, and we can physically structure it and do it. Guess what they call that? They call that the modern day church. Because that's what the church does. And it breaks God's heart. See, God never wanted that. God doesn't want that for ignition. God wants ignition to say, whatever you want, God. And, and, and He will always provide the means to do what He wants to do. How extraordinary is it that we have a couple that would allow us to be in their house for four years? That's extraordinary. I mean, that, that, that is not even human, because y'all are not coming to my house. I don't have that gifting. <laughs> right? That's extraordinary. God knew that we were going to be in here for a specific period of time, and He provided us with a couple that had a heart to do it. And not just being here, but He provided each one of us a heart to draw closer together without seeing the, the fruit of what that promise entailed. You know, i.e. the building, i.e. growth, the healings. See, we step into these things with the faith knowing God promised them, period. Lord, Please don't allow us to take it into our own hands, ever. Because what happened, the moment this happened, it caused turmoil. The moment that he went against God, it caused turmoil. Because the moment she conceived, Hagar conceived, then Sarai, who is supposed to be the mother of Israel of this promise, she looks unfavorably. She looked with contempt on her mistress. And then she looks at him and said, you should have known better. You know how I get. This is on you. Okay, I don't know how Abram would feel. But he probably went out to the fields and just said, I need to be alone. I don't know. I mean, the marital dynamic, whatever. But bottom line is it was his fault. It was. He needed to go out to the field to accept that. At the very least, he should have asked. Boy, isn't that a good lesson. Lord, please do not let any decision be made in ignition that is not us asking you first. Then she goes down, she has the baby, you know, things, things get weird between Hagar and Sarah, Sarai. Let's go down to chapter 17. Now through all this, all this junk, all this turmoil, 
we know it, it's been at least 10 years, right? It was 10 years when, when he made the decision to, to go sleep with Hagar, all right? But then there was time that passed because now chapter 17, verse 1 says this. When Abram was 99 years old, this is 24 years later, guys, 24 years later, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Wow. Okay, recognize here the reality of faith that Abram had. 24 years of a promise. He's now 99 years old. I mean, way past the age of having kids. Way past the age of Sarai having kids. And yet, he makes this choice of everything taking into his own hands. And then at 99... The Lord appears to him again. And he says, walk with me. Walk with me and don't worry about it. Be blameless. Don't bring this upon yourself. That I may make a covenant between you and between me and you and may multiply you greatly. (laughs) Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. See, the prophecy changed a little bit. Or you could look at it as he got a little more detailed. God knew, first of all, God knew what was going to happen. God knew he was going to to conceive a child through Hagar. He knew that. It wasn't his will, but he knew that. Now he is saying that that's not going to happen just through Ishmael. Right? That's not going to happen just Because of what you did with Hagar. My original promise has not changed. My original promise is still there. Now, instead of a a, a nation that you're going to, or multiple nations that that you, um, or multitude of people, now you are a multitude of nations. By the way, that's more than two. Okay. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, by the way, that, that is what Abraham means, by the way. And, and what Abram meant, it was interesting seeing the change in his name. Abram meant high father. Not sure exactly what that means. High, high five. No, high father. He, he, he had importance. He had value. Right? But then when it was changed to Abraham, it became father of a multitude. Right? Sarai was the same thing. Her, her name changed. Her, the meaning of her name before Sarai was princess. My princess. My little princess. And then she became the mother of a multitude. And um, 
So, so again, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of na- nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an ever- everlasting covenant. God said this will never end. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings. This land that he's been trampling on for 24 years. All the land of the Canaans, all the land of Canaan and for everlasting possession and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you. Throughout their generations, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. He begins to go into this covenant of separation. That's what bred the law. By the way, don't look at the law as a bad thing. The law was not a bad thing. The law was a perfect thing. In fact, it was the very law that brought The possibility of grace. Without the law, we could not have grace. Because the law is what established man as not being worthy. Because the law was perfect. The law is perfect. The law is not gone. The law is there. The Father is the law. It is truth. And the Father is the law. But it was grace that came and allowed an imperfect being, which is us, to receive through that grace the perfection of the law. So what he's saying here is that through this seed, he will bring salvation. He will bring salvation. And he's saying that that will last forever. It will be a covenant forever. It was, and, and Paul explained it in Hebrews, but, but this law of circumcision, which was a physical attribute to the law, became a law of the heart with grace. See, Paul said, no longer is it this physical circumcision, but your heart becomes circumcised. Your heart becomes cut from the world. And given to the Lord. That's grace. That's grace. Then down. um, Let's go to verse 15. And God said to Abraham. As for Sarai your wife. You shall call her name Sarai. not, Not call her name Sarai. But Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety-nine years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Ouch. See, that's one of the few times you see a slip of faith in Abraham. And it just goes to show that that can hit anybody. It doesn't change the promises, guys. 
But there's something to learn from it. What he's saying is, is Lord, I, I know you promised. I, I don't see any physical human way this is even going to be possible. But God, I know this was a mistake, but here you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity that, I mean, he's alive. Take Ishmael. And by the way, Abraham loved Ishmael. He loved him. It was his son. He loved him. He said, so, so take him. Let's, let's take him and, and put him into your, into your promises and, and we'll go with that. What do you think the Lord said? Yeah. Well, you know the end of the story, right? God said no. <laughs> the end. No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for, for his offspring after him. Now, Lord didn't forget Ishmael either. He said, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes. And I will make him into a great nation. Interesting how that mirrors what God did through Isaac. There's a lesson in there. Because what Satan wants to produce will mirror what God wants to produce but will not be God's will. He does that in your life, by the way. He will try and produce a righteousness in your life that will look like it's right, but it's not. That's the church today. That's the church. The church is so consumed with looking right to the world. Looking right so, so they could draw in. I remember, you know, 30 years ago or whatever it was, the big movement of the, of the seekers, the seeker movement. So, you know, let's bring into our church, you know, what the world is gonna kinda connect with. I, I remember, I remember, um, this one that I went to and it, it, it just was insane. You walk in and they've got all this, these Beatles songs playing. I'm thinking, Beatles, wow. Weren't they Hare Krishnas? <laughs> I know they didn't believe in Jesus. You know, so it, it, it was this changing. It was taking into their own hands, just like Abram, Abraham was trying to do. God, I know I took this into my own hands, but just use Ishmael. Just use him. But no, Ishmael became a picture of what Satan does to try to mirror what God does. And you look at that throughout history. And you look at what's happened today with the line of Ishmael, which, which is the Arabic, Arabic line. You look at how Iran, they want to kill Israel. They don't want to keep them from being a big nation. but They want to destroy them. They want them to be off the face of the earth. Why? Because God chose Isaac. That was his plan from the beginning. God was not going to reward a mischoice of Abram, who became Abraham. But when he, at verse 22, or uh, verse 21, but I will establish my co covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Now God's putting a time frame on it. Love it. Lord, and now I won't even, I won't even say that that connects with soon. <laughs> I think the soon for us is the beginning. And, and, and Lord, we're, we're, we're ready for the time frame. 
We're ready, Father. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house and brought and bought with his money. And and he went and, and circumcised them. Chapter 18. And the Lord appeared to him, to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, do not pass by your servant. Yet a little water be be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on. Since you have come to your servant, so they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of flour and knead to make cakes. And Abraham went to her, took a calf, killed the calf. He made food. All right, they ate. Verse 9. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. And the Lord said, now recognize, who is that? The Lord. Okay, this were, these weren't three men. One of them was the Lord. I'm assuming the other two were angels. Who knows? Maybe it was the Trinity manifested. I don't know. I assume it was the Lord with two angels. Either way, and the Lord said. So you're, you're not listening to an angel here. You're, you're listening to the Lord. And, and I believe... Abraham knew that when he saw him, or certainly when he talked to them. Because of the relationship he had built with the Lord, he knew the Lord's voice. The Lord says, you know, they know a shepherd's voice and the sheep know, right? Verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now, you can imagine, she knew the Lord was there, so she's listening. What's the Lord saying? You know. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Ooh. At the appointed time, And he goes right back to the promise. At the appointed time. Lost my place. Where am I? Uh, At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. (laughs) Can you imagine? God, God is standing there. Sarah laughs, and he goes, what's she laughing at? (laughs) Uh, You can imagine Sarah's heart, like, Oh my goodness, I didn't know he heard that. <laughs> Thinking, oh, it's like, it's like no, no faith slap. <laughs> you know, do you think her heart was, was like jumping there for a second? Lord, forgive me for not having faith. Is anything too hard for the Lord? But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, you laughed. <laughs> He said, let's not lie to the husband. <laughs> you laughed. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, yeah, I noticed. Yeah, the Lord didn't get after him for laughing, but maybe because it was in front of the Lord. I don't know. But uh, 
Verse 16, then the men set out from there and they looked down toward Sodom and Abraham and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And then it goes into this whole process of Sodom and Gomorrah where he is going to destroy Sodom. And of course, Lot's there and you know the whole, you know, if there's 50, will you spare 40, you know, and whatever. It ends up not not being spared, right? I want to go down to chapter 21. Those things all happened within that year year period. Then verse 1, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son, in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Sorry. Quick. No, thank you. Thank, thanks, Siri. Not, not interested. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. By the way, that's not laugh at me. It's saying, God has given me joy. Everybody will have joy with me. Because not only was she given a son, not only was she given a son that would fulfill this insane promise, but she was given a miracle. She witnessed A miracle. Do you think her faith increased through this process? Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, would you have said that Abraham, that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This was the culmination. You could look at this two ways. This was the culmination of a promise to Abraham and Sarah. Because that son was finally born. But in reality, it was just the beginning of the promise. It was just the beginning of what would filter through Isaac and become the nation of Israel. But do you understand it's even bigger than that? Because through that nation of Israel who literally rejected their Messiah, that allowed the Gentiles to be grafted in, were adopted as sons and daughters. So literally, Abraham's seed comes to include the bride. Everyone who would accept Jesus Christ as Messiah. Now there's a picture of two faiths here that I think it's important to get. The picture of that faith that was strong in the face of ridiculous odds. Insane odds. Didn't even make sense. I mean, you ever think about the fact that Abraham could be speaking to himself at the beginning thinking, have you got the right guy? Why me, God? I don't know how many people were on the earth at that time, but there were more than Abraham, right? There were probably 
millions upon millions upon millions upon millions, hundreds of millions, at least, that were on the earth at that time. So Abraham could be thinking, okay, why me? Why me? Why us? Why me and Sarah? Why our family? Why? Now, Scripture doesn't show that he ever told Abraham that. But I can only imagine his thought process in that. Why? Because I've had the same. I've had the same thing. Lord, these promises you've given ignition, these promises that you've given us and and individually, why us? Why us, God? Is there some reason? And and there have been little answers here and, and there, but bottom line, it's the same thing. It's why? Because he wants to. Because that was his plan. Perhaps we'll figure it out when we're in heaven, and he'll go to more detail explaining the why, but it boils down to the fact that Abraham had faith. He believed. Even though he messed up, he still had faith. See, Jesus is saying, just hold on. Just hold on. If it takes another five years, if it takes another 20 years, hold on. Why? Because his way is perfect. His way doesn't allow the enemy to come in and mirror a mockery of it. It's our choice to let it be his way or not in our lives. It's our choice. It was Abraham's choice. To, to say no to Sarai or to say yes. It's our choice to believe the promises God has given us and to move forward with that promise if it were to happen tomorrow or if it were to happen 10 years from now. One of the promises the Lord has, and this is the one I count on the most. It's not the building. It's not the seven places. It's not anything else. It's the falling of his Holy Spirit. He's promised that. He's promised that the Holy Spirit will fall on this church specifically. And by the way, it's going to make Pentecost look small. He said that. Okay, I can believe that. And if it doesn't happen tomorrow, then I could lose my faith and not believe it anymore. Because, well, maybe I didn't get that right. You know, I, I know you've literally said it to us hundreds of times, but, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe I was deceived by the enemy. Maybe I'm really listening to the wrong voices. How many in here, and I'm curious, you could raise your hand, how many in here have had, had that thought? You could raise your hand with mine. Absolutely. And I'll tell you my answer every time I have that thought. Because, see, it's so crazy When God tells me how he's going to use me, and I think, why me, Lord? And then I see what all he says he's going to do in me. Then I think, okay, this is all really kind of crazy. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong voice. Maybe I'm getting this wrong. And then immediately I back up and say, okay, if that's the case, Satan's doing a really bad job. Because I am so in love with Jesus Christ. And I believe him. And see, the word of God said that a kingdom divided will fall. He will never divide his kingdom. Satan will never divide his kingdom. So that voice, you got to understand that voice could not be anything but God. 
Because Satan fights against that. So then it, it just sits with us. Do we believe or do we not believe? Oh man. When you live in the day today, it can be really tough. Many of us, and especially the Sellers family, live in that day to day that, wait a second, Lord, will it be today? Will it be today? Will it be tomorrow? God, please, please, please don't make it next month. Don't make it next year. And the whole time God's looking at his calendar, he said, I already know when it is. Just believe. Just believe. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. But do you know every moment, every day you go through when it's tough, you rack up those faith points that I'm going to use on the other side. Once he is healed, once these people are healed, once these things are done, I'm going to take all the faith that you have saved up, up to that moment that it happened, and I'm going to use that as power later on. And I need a certain amount. So see, if I do it any earlier than I plan, then the faith to propel everything afterwards won't be there. So just trust me. When you look at it from that perspective, it allows us to fall back into our lives and just say, yes, yes, Lord, whatever, yes. I claim your grace in the meantime. We fight for each other in the meantime. We fight for Carson in the meantime. We fight for my daughter who the last two days has been just racked with pain. We fight with others that go through the same exact thing. We fight for others that have times where, where they go through that, that doubt of Sarah. We fight for them. We say, wait, wait, wait no. That's not how it's supposed to be. This is God's promise. We're going to believe Him if we're here ten years from now in this living room. Sorry, Mom. We'll believe Him. We're going to believe Him. I think every day that we have, every week that we have to be here, and I, I'm just going to declare this for you guys, every, day, every week that we have to be here in this process, God's just adding another wing onto their house when they're with him. I mean, you really won't have need of all that, except maybe we'll be meeting up there too. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is their house and we're meeting in heaven. There you go. How, how awesome would that be? But see, we, we just need to believe. Just hold on. Just hold on. Don't let go. It, it, it's bad if you let go. Just hold on. Because what's the next step? God says, okay, grab the next. And they grab the next. And they grab the next. And they get their foothold in there. And don't ask me how, but somehow they get over that lip. Each time I look at them and I think, you're going to fall. You're an idiot. And they get up and they get over. And that's why they're on TV. I don't know. That's what's going to happen here. All your friends that think you're a whack job. I get it. We are. I accept that. I fully accept that. Amen. That's right. 
I accept that all, all your friends that give you trouble because your faith is that I just trust the Lord's word. I just trust him for the extraordinary. I want the extraordinary. I trust him for that. He promised it to me. I'm going to hold on to him until I receive it. Guess what? Guess who the first person is that's going to call you when it happens? It's going to be your friend. It's going to be your family that says, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I see what the Lord's doing. And I love you. And our response will be, I love you. Yeah, see what he's doing. He wants to do that everywhere. Everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you. We praise you. You are almighty God. And we thank you for your love. God, thank you for this picture of holding on to faith when it's difficult to hold on. When we see the ramifications of of the cost of that faith. When we see Carson fighting this morning, putting on God's squad that he's in so much pain. We see the ramifications of, of the warfare. We see what comes against our, our brothers and sisters. And yet we see the glimpse of freedom. And we trust you. We give you our faith because, Lord, you have said there will come a day where the odds will be so overwhelming to the enemy that we will walk in complete victory. I long for that day, but God, I will not push that day. Because I want it to be exactly how you've planned it. No more, no less. When we gave you our yes, Father, as ignition, that included the waiting. As much as we don't like it, it included it. Because we know in the waiting, you teach us your love. In the waiting, you teach us lessons that increase our faith that literally bank it into an account that will be spent after your falling. We worship you. We praise you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Got a cool perspective today from up above but also from what the Lord, um, it's, it's kind of cool how he works in tandem with the, what he lays on my heart downstairs, because I didn't know what the Lord was going to have him, him preach. And, you know, the question we ask, what is this line in the sand? We kind of know, we've been talking about it. Greg's message today was a picture of that line in the sand. There is the path of Isaac, there's the path of is, is Ishmael, and the line between the two is between really God's will and our will, our, the, the agreement with the enemy and the um, allowing him to get off course and, like he said, mirror the truth. And if there's one thing I would encourage you to not forget that was said, this 
building of our faith that God is doing right now with all of us waiting for various things, you know, even as I look at so many faces and know various stories and know certain people even online that are waiting for certain things, decisions, waiting for a conflict to be resolved, waiting for loved ones to be saved, waiting for just hearts, broken broken pieces of their world to be mended. There's always something that we're seeking God for. But I'll tell you, the faith that God is building in us now for these things, in this waiting, is what is desperately needed on the other side when we get to live in that promise. We, we often think that we're just, that it's like we're going to be in a glorious place where, okay, well, once that's fulfilled, I'm just going to be floating. No, you're going to need faith there probably more than you could imagine. Amen. And it reminded me, and I shared this Friday night at the, at the party, but, you know, in the verse right before, in Luke 2, verse 6, you know, we start the, and she brought forth her firstborn son. You know, we know those verses, the, the Christmas verses. But the verse right before in verse 6 is is really significant. And it was said about Sarah too. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. God needed to take Mary through a process. And so he, every part of the process, he put Jesus into inserting him into, into his own creation. Humanity was also through the birth process. He didn't just tell her she's going to have a baby. And then she wakes up full term. There was a process. He, he was inserted like as we are from conception, from a, from a seed, from a sperm, or from a, um, a, a egg <laughs> only. Yes, please, don't misread that. Um, but it's like it reminded me, the days that are accomplished. Right now, what we're going through, what you're going through individually and what we're going through as a church, are days that have to be accomplished for what is about to be birthed. In the fulfillment of a promise, in the answer to a conflict, you know, we want our answers quick, but I'll tell you, one of the things that will slow down the answer is if we're still stuck in an instant gratification paradigm. If we got to have it now and we want what we want when we want it and how we want it, that's going to slow down the process. Not because of God wanting to torture. He's not sadistic. He's just, he loves us so much. He wants us to be prepared. He doesn't want to band-aid something. Have you ever put a band-aid on a deep cut that you didn't fully clean out, fully deal with? You're going to be covering up a whole bunch of potential infection that will... I mean, there's all kinds of metaphors we could use to prove the point. But God wants to fully develop our faith so that the promise of our books, when they're fulfilled, we're able to maintain. And and that's what... uh, And I quoted it from a preacher that said... You know, the weight of God's glory of what his promises and his will and, and his, his presence and everything. If it, if it weighs on a sanctified life, it establishes it. But if it weighs on a life that's fractured or broken or unsanctified, it literally crushes and destroys it. Yeah. And so there is a reason. It's my flesh presses against it a lot, but every time I press against it, I know it's my flesh. But there is a reason why there's a seeming delay in some of these things. It's because there needs to be, days need to be accomplished. So even as we're seeking him, if he really is the prize, if all I need is you, Lord, Christ is enough for me, all these things we sing, 
then we really, it should almost be irrelevant what those things are, even though he gives us those wonderful promises to look forward to. But you know, he didn't have to reveal any of those promises. He could just take us day by day, just enjoying him and wondering if we'll ever. He's given us the hope of these promises in his word about heaven and even about our time here on earth. And so that's, that's exciting. And that does encourage our faith. But, but that faith is, does need to be developed. And he just asked me to do something recently that, that I did this morning. And I just thought, okay, I couldn't have done that six months ago, a year ago. But that additional step of obedience, that additional um, willingness to step without question, without any begrudging it, was like, it was almost like God saying, see, I'm stretching you. I'm taking you. This is another day that's accomplished. For you to be ready for what I'm going to release. Because what I'm going to release, I want you to be able to enjoy and have it fulfill with all the fruit that I'm planning for you. If, if you. if I allow you to rush it, or if you do a counterfeit version of it, you'll never really have the fruit that I planted. And that's why we've mm-hmm. talked about that with mm-hmm. you know, having the seeds you know, the, that bear the... You, if you start to see thorns coming up in your life, that's the fruit. That's the product of another seed that was in there. So we got to steward our seed well. Today, you got a seed. You got the word of God in seed form. And so what you do with that today, how you steward what you've heard. You go, if you go out and you're like, Lord, what the early slide, whatever you want, Lord. That's easy to say when things aren't coming against you. But man... When whatever you want, Lord, seems to be not at all what, my, what I want in my flesh, that's, that's where it's a choice. We have a choice every day. Do I go Isaac? Do I go Ishmael? Mm-hmm. You know? And if you're not discerning and you're not careful, you're going to look like you're going Isaac when you're going Ishmael. Although God is bringing out more of a stark difference. If you know that is the line in the sand. He is bringing it out to a much more plain view in the bride now. He's going to not allow that to be as slippery as before. And that's why we pray, expose, expose, expose on that prayer call every night so that people will see and they can make a clear choice. But it's going to reveal the condition of their heart. And I love that as he reveals the condition of our hearts, that we are choosing him. But there are still days to be accomplished. I pray it's only a couple more. (laughs) I still, it's okay to still pray that, but just thank him. Say, thank you, Lord. If it didn't happen today, then as I believed you today, another day was accomplished. Mm -hmm. And as it is accomplished, it will be time to give birth to a son, metaphorically, of the will of God in your life. And he'll do that. Um, So if if we don't see it that way, it'll be pretty discouraging. But praise God. That Christmas message is so not this time of year. It's all the time. It's all the time. Praise God. For unto us is born this day. A savior, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Praise God for that. Are you thankful for Jesus? Oh, it's just awesome. What a great.